1: Welcome to today's edition of the broadcast. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We are talking today about, well, a a ministry that actually has been making a difference in the lives of indigenous peoples, but not right now in North America. The organization is one that we have featured on a previous episode of American Indian and Alaska Native Living, Today, though, we have the distinct privilege of having the founder and the executive director of Farm Stew International. Her name is Joy Kaufman. Joy, it is great to have you with us today.
2: It's a privilege. Thank you so much for the invitation.
1: Joy, you have been uh, running this ministry, making a difference in the lives of uh, thousands of people. Tell my listeners and some of those who may be viewing some of the bonus uh, video content we hope to put out about this show, uh, just exactly what you're doing.
2: Yeah, so Farm Stew International is honestly a dream come true for me because I really I've always been convicted that, you know, there is a health message, but I was never part of a church that actually had part of that as integrated into their work. So I became a nutritionist as a young child. And when I came into the church, I thought, you know, there's a health message, but I don't want it to just be for like white yuppies that can go buy, you know, organic pesto or something. I wanted it to benefit everyone and particularly those that are poor or vulnerable populations. And so what we've been doing the last five and a half years is really impacting sub-Saharan Africa with what we call a recipe for abundant life. And it's a a whole curriculum and trainers going out, teaching basic skills, hands-on skills that will help families to thrive. And we're excited to bring it to the American Indian, Alaska Native populations through your radio program, because I think it could be awesome for them as well.
1: Well, I'm really excited because you and I have spoken in advance of the show, Joy. You're actually relocating from the Midwest to the Four Corners area. I mean, at General Neck of the Woods, Southern uh, Colorado, we know uh, a lot of uh, First Nation peoples there, many of whom I've had the privilege of working with. And you're really excited about your vision because you think it definitely is relevant to people from Indigenous backgrounds throughout the world. Am I understanding that correctly?
2: Absolutely. And it's a message that I think can really, all these cultures can really embrace because We don't bring in anything like new and modern. We're going back to ancient wisdom. What did your ancestors eat? They were probably not eating Cheetos and drinking Coca-Cola, you know, going back to the the indigenous diet. And so when we do that in Africa, it might be that they were eating jackfruit. And it'll be fun to learn from, from the native peoples. What were their ancestors eating that were making them live long and healthy? And what could we grow in the gardens? How can we grow in very, you know, drought resistant ways, of course the desert southwest and other you know places. It's some harsh climates up in Alaska. So creative gardening methods and food preparation that will enhance people's immune system and also their overall health.
1: Now some folks might be listening and they say, well okay, we've got tribal health programs. We've got you know great people who are trained in, in great institutions from our own tribe, from our own native community what would Joy Kaufman and FarmStew International bring to us? Before we fully answer that question, though, I I just want to have you talk a little bit more about your background because your training, Joy, is from probably one of the most esteemed public health and uh, international health institutions in the world. Tell us a little bit about where you got your training and especially what you focused on in that, uh, at least that academic realm.
2: Right. So, I did my undergrad in international nutrition from Virginia Tech and then did some international experience and then went back to Johns Hopkins University. And I had the privilege of doing my master's in public health there in management and public policy and actually worked for the federal government I worked with, you know, IHS and um, worked and you do, you have some fantastic healthcare out, especially on the res. And, you know, there's a lot of resources there for you all. But my training is in public health. So it's all about how do we prevent the need to even go to the doctor. And so that's my focus. And I believe what could be a blessing in the message of farms too.
1: Well, what I love about your vision, Joy, is this is not just an idea. You're not just a young lady who, you know, fresh out of school, has no experience, but you've been working with indigenous peoples. You've seen a program that's made a huge impact in Africa, and we want to talk about that because I know a lot of folks who are tuning in today, whether they ever partner up with Farms Stew International here in the United States, you know, whether you really grow that, uh, that part of your, your ministry here in North America or not. A lot of what you're doing, I think, has great relevance to people throughout the world as they work with indigenous populations. So, bring us back five and a half years when you're starting Farm Stu. What were some of the foundation principles that you were laying? Uh, upon which this program was built. And I know this appeals to people uh, from a Christian community. I know a lot of your your donors were were from that world. But a lot of my listeners, they're not from a church-based background. Maybe it's a tribal background. Maybe it's just a personal community focus. Help us walk through that background of Farm Stew International.
2: Yeah, I will do that. But first, I just want to lay a little uh, tidbit for the future, because it's not going to be dependent on me to spread farms stew across this nation every single listener can learn for themselves this recipe of farms stew by just going to our website you can click on uh it's farmsdew.org. i put it right there or there <laughs> and uh you can click on the recipe and there's an e-learning course so anybody listening can learn this and bring it to their own community and we invite that but flashback to five years ago I was given the opportunity by, uh, actually the United States government sent me as a short-term volunteer to Uganda. And I was asked to help them process actually the soybeans that they were growing and learn how to make foods from it. And then also learn how to start small businesses with the products that you could make from soybeans. And it was kind of an odd assignment in a way, but I got there and I realized that they, the kids were not eating enough protein. And the parents were growing a protein source in their fields and selling it off to a cash crop for almost Mm. no profit. So all of a sudden I realized they could actually just take this simple technology. They were only using mortar and pestle. They don't have electricity, but they pound the beans. We'd make the soy milk. Suddenly that was a value added product and they had a small enterprise. So the idea behind Farm stew then just grew from that realization that local people could teach these classes so our curriculum is all accessible to anybody that wants to go out and teach anyone and it is it's from a faith-based perspective but it's also combining the best of science and what we looked at was this these areas around the world there are hot spots of health and longevity called the blue zones and so we took the characteristics that are making the blue zones cause their people to be centenarians living to a hundred or more healthily. Mm -hmm. And we thought, how can we apply those same characteristics to indigenous populations? And it's working. People are growing gardens. They are, you know, washing their hands. That's an important part of it. So yeah, FarmSoup is an acronym. I'll unpack that for you if you'd like.
1: Good, good. You've definitely got our interest. And let's just pause for a minute because As you know, if you've been a regular listener to American Indian and Alaska Native Living, over the last year or so, we've been often, well, maybe half the time, releasing some bonus video content that goes along with the shows. Uh, We're hoping to do that with this program as well. And so... Because I'm interviewing Joy in a medium that lends itself both to video and audio, she's pointing at things on her screen, like her website, which if you're listening on radio, you can't see. So let me give you that again. It's simply farmstew.org, F-A-R-M, farmstew, like a, a nice lentil stew. S-T-E-W dot O-R-G. And you can jump on that website. Joy is going to be telling you about some more great things there. But before we talk too much more about what folks can get, we want to learn what Farm Stew stands for. It's an unusual name, but it is an acronym, isn't it, Joy?
2: It sure is. And thanks for the opportunity. And you know, first, before we unpack the acronym, I do love how you said the lentil stew. So it's farming is at its basis, at its core. You know, we want to get people out in the garden, getting fresh air, exercise, sunshine, all the good things that they can grow, bring into their table. And then the stew, We we want people to have this image of you know, people lovingly and carefully preparing healthful plant-based foods that will nourish their families and be a blessing for their families. So that's the first image, but then unpacking the letters, the F stands for farming. Then we go to our attitude, having that positive mental attitude, forgiveness, etc. The R stands for rest. We want to rest our bodies and also rest the soil. And in Africa, where they're still often having nine children, we talk about the rest for the women's bodies between pregnancies for Mm. a better pregnancy outcome. The M stands for meals. And we do hands-on cooking classes out in the villages. And it brings a crowd. It brings energy. And people get to taste these new foods. So that's your farm.
1: I love this. And you bring my mind back to uh, an experience I had in Indian country many years ago. A woman from Lakota background in South Dakota had uh, some of us come out there to, to her reservation. And what she was doing is she had taken a bunch of recipes, healthy recipes, and she said, how can I make these recipes, modify them so that I'm only using... Uh, The foods that are available to us here, some of them were commodity foods and other things that were available in a, a reservation that was pretty challenged financially, a lot of the folks there. So just this message you're giving, that's what she was doing. She was showing the people how to cook. Uh, how to to make things. It's just such a powerful thing. When people are coming together, they're learning to improve their health. They're uh, fellowshipping together, encouraging one another. And I really appreciate this about your vision, Joy. So we've got the farm down. Let me make sure I've written it down. I F A F-A-R-M, first part is farming, then attitude, then rest, then meals. So we've come to stew. What does that stand for?
2: Okay, perfect. So stew stands for sanitation. And, you know, that just goes back to cleanliness is next to godliness. You know, the World Health Organization says hand washing could prevent more disease than any vaccines or medical interventions. So cleanliness. Then the T stands for temperance. So we're trying to avoid anything whatsoever that has any addictive characteristics and have moderation and everything else. The E stands for enterprise. So where we're working and perhaps even on the res, there's not a lot of job opportunities. So people need to think with an entrepreneurial mindset and also just really embrace the idea that, yes, you know, I'm for me, exactly, I'm a Sabbath keeper, right? But the Sabbath commandment, often sometimes people focus on the seventh day that says we should rest, but the same commandment says six days you labor and work. And people need to understand that work is a blessing. Work is part of how we stay healthy, how our minds stay fit, and really have that diligence. Uh, we have this proverb that says, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. And so we have a whole chapter, a, a module in our curriculum that's all about the ant and looking at how hard ants work. <laughs> okay. So, I got off on a tangent though there. I love that ant lesson. (laughs) Um, And then the W stands for water. So we want to really make sure people are hydrated properly. I mean, it's so important to be drinking two to three liters of water. And that's about the same as a quart, two to three every single day. And if it's a hot place or you're out gardening, you need to be drinking more because you would never, you know, take a shower in soda or coffee or pour it over your head, you know, a beer over your head. I mean, that's not going to clean the outside of your body. So why do people think those liquids would clean the inside? We need to be hydrating with pure, clean, fresh water. And some of the communities where we're working actually don't have water. So we do well drilling also uh, in some places where it's such a desperate need.
1: This is such exciting material, and it's so relevant to so many people throughout the country and throughout the world. Some of you are tuning in today. You say, well, hey, yeah, I'm Native, but I live in an urban area. How does this stuff relate to me? Joy is going to bring it home to you as well, whether you're on a reservation, whether you're in a rural area, whether you're living in a big city. And I know, I know, I know many of you are not Native at all. You just enjoy the show. We have got encouraging things coming up for you as well. I want to encourage you. Do not go away. We're coming up with a lot more on today's edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. DeRose.
0: Today's broadcast has been prerecorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please reach out to us on the web at AIANL.org. That stands for American Indian, Alaska Native Living. Again, aianl org, Or you can call us at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this.
3: The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. For 13 and one-half years, I was the victim of severe child abuse. I was being beaten, cursed, and deprived of any kind of love and care. It was a big secret. Children are born to be loved, not to be abused. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to, someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone. Connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
4: I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like, you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information, like your Social Security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General, at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: Welcome back to today's edition of the broadcast. Dr. David DeRose with Joy Kaufman. Joy Kaufman is the founder. She's also the executive director of Farm Stew International. If you're just joining us, you can learn a lot more about the ministry that she represents by simply going to farmstew.org. Now, before we stepped away, Joy, you'd been gracious enough to walk us through how you came up with this very interesting name. From the very first time I I heard it, I said, well, this is really unusual. Uh, But I can see from having spoken with you in the past, as well as uh, as we're doing this interview, some really powerful concepts behind the Farm Stew International work that you do. In the last segment, I was making a case that anybody could benefit from what you're doing, even if they're in the middle of downtown Chicago, New York City, Los Angeles. Why can I legitimately say that about the resources you have with Farm Stew International?
2: Well, the exciting thing is that over the last five years, so many people have come up to me and been like, Joy, you know, wh- why don't you start Farm Stew in my community? And I'm like, I'm one person <laughs> and there's like so much work to do. So we decided that we wanted to equip people to share this recipe. So they needed to first learn it and then they could share it. And you know, a lot of people don't have a lot of time. So we thought, let's just put it on one page. So if you go to our website and you wait about 10 seconds, there's gonna be a pop-up that says, help fight COVID and learn the recipe of abundant life with farm stew. And you just have to put your email in and you will get a farm stew wellness guide. And what that wellness guide is doing is, helping people unpack farm stew in a way that's relevant to absolutely everyone. Because like I mentioned, farming, that's one of the best things you can do for your immune system right now to optimize your health is be out getting exercise, fresh air, sunshine. You know, you're doing something productive. Actually, Princeton University did a study that said it's one of the things that can make you also the happiest. So it affects your attitude is just being out there growing and actually vegetable gardeners, have a higher happiness rating even than flower gardeners. You'd think the flowers would make you happy, <laughs> but it's veggies.
1: <laughs> okay, well, this is great stuff. And, you know, what I'm so excited about in Indian country, I've worked with a number of tribes and I've had the privilege of visiting with folks throughout the country with different projects, and such a I would say, resurgence of connecting with the land, of really tapping into cultural roots, a lot of community gardens happening throughout Indian country. And this is a movement I know that, that your team at FarmStew has heartily embraced. I think one of the other interesting things is, as you've already alluded to with your work in Uganda and other places in Africa, you have had to work in environments where, you know, some people would say, well, there isn't a lot of farming opportunities here. And you've really helped people to explore kind of their own traditions and tap into some of the foods that they can grow in really a a sustainable way. Tell us a little bit about how that has all come about, Joy.
2: Yeah, that's great. Well, one thing that's really exciting to me is that you don't have to have a lot of land. Like maybe you're even saying you live in an apartment and all you have is a little window, you know, you can grow herbs, herbs, pack a punch of antioxidants and just different benefits for you, um, even antivirals, some of them. So everybody can do it. But also we do really encourage going back and say, for example, in Africa, 30 to 50% of the calories that sub-Saharan Africans are eating right now is coming from a highly refined white maize flour. Hmm. It just metabolizes almost like sugar. You can imagine the diabetes rates, cancer rates, even hemorrhoids are just going through the roof there. But when you go back and you say, okay, what did your ancestors eat? They were eating sorghum. They were eating millet, amaranth. These are power-packed grains. Even now in our stores, you know, they're called ancient grains and you have to pay a lot of money for them. But these are African. And I know that, you know, that, Uh, Native populations here, they have their own native dishes that they have made. I'd love to try some someday. (laughs) Um, But, you know, so they need to just conjure up what what was it that I ate when I was a little kid that was actually nourishing my body instead of what am I pulling out of a crinkly bag or pulling out of a plastic, you know, container now that's not nourishing my body and really encourage people to just go back and uh, reclaim those roots.
1: This is an exciting message, and I know some of you who have been tuning in. If you've been with us from the top of the hour, you realize that Joy and her family are relocating from the Midwest to southern Colorado, and uh, she is uh, anxious to rub shoulders more with indigenous peoples in this country. So if you're saying, wow, here's someone that might be a good partner in some things that we're doing, I'm just wondering, Joy, how does someone reach out to you? How do they connect with you? Is going through the website, is that the most effective way to do it?
2: Yeah, the website, but we make everything easy. And uh, it's so I'm just joy at joyatfarmstew.org is my email. I will say I'm getting on a plane to go to Africa in just a couple of days, which I'm very excited about during COVID. That's been very difficult. And I invite your prayers, but I also may not be quite as responsive as normal. But uh, yeah, our website is a really great source for basic information. And then also you can take the course for free Uh, Just click on the recipe and then there's the e-learning link and anyone can sign up. And we really want, you know, to get this recipe out there. Like my grandma, when she had a great recipe, she had a little box with all these little cards and she and her friends would, you know, go take these little three by five cards and copy the recipe. If it was a really good one, you'd share that with somebody else. And that's the idea that we want is that people will learn about stew, They'll apply these principles in their lives you know, and have it be kind of like a roadmap for them when they're making decisions throughout the day. Say, you know, does that align with farm stew? Like, am I going to buy the water or am I going to buy a Coca-Cola or coffee? Saying, you know what, farm stew would say water. So have that in the back of your mind, helping you make the right decision and then share that with other people.
1: So we need to step back just a few steps because I know we've talked about several things. We talked about this free wellness guide, right? So if all I've got to do is go to farmstew.org, there'll be a pop-up window, give you my email address, and you'll send me to that email address. I'll get the guide, right? Isn't that that simple?
2: Exactly. Yes.
1: But now you're also speaking about an e-learning course and a, quote, recipe. Make sure we understand what you're offering to my listeners there as well.
2: Absolutely. Okay, so we we come up with these phrases. I don't know. I think God helps us because we're just trying to make something catchy that people will understand. So we call the recipe the eight ingredients. Those letters, each standing for an important principle. So those are what we call the eight ingredients in the recipe. So you know, like I mentioned, water. Or say you're at eight o'clock at night and you're trying to decide: Hey, am I going to start a movie or am I going to start winding down to go to bed? Well, if you remember rest, you're going to say, you know what? I remember from that lesson that I took in the e-learning class, you know, that those hours before midnight are much more powerful for my rested body and my rested brain than the hours after midnight. So I'm going to wind down and have the lights off by 9 p.m. That would be the type of things that we're hoping people can learn and then share with others. So that's the recipe of abundant life. The eight letters and putting them into practice.
1: Okay, I think I'm getting the terminology down. So although your organization is called Farm Stew International, the phrase Farm Stew, when you understand what it stands for, is a recipe for better health. Have I got the terminology down?
2: Exactly. And, you know, at the start you were saying, well, we're not really in the United States yet. In a way we aren't. We don't have paid trainers that are going out and, you know, going out to churches where but we are a movement. So like I was at a friend's house the other day, who's been part of farm stew for a long time. She had never really gardened before. And now I'm telling you, this woman is amazing. I mean, I sat there and I just thought, this is so cool. And she says, you know, farm stew inspired me. Mm -hmm. And that's what is happening in all sorts of different homes. And, you know, a movement you can't really capture. I don't really, I don't have the data to say exactly what's going on in the United States, but I know there's churches that have started a community garden, um, people that are, you know, saying selling a product like this little eight-year-old girl I was with the other day, she's selling bread. So this little Mm eight-year-old has an enterprise, which is our E, and she's donating the profits to farm stew so that little girls in Africa can get what they need, which actually part of our S I didn't mention is um, sanitation cloth pads for menstrual hygiene for girls Mm -hmm. so that girls can stay in school. So this little girl, Kendra, just blesses my heart because she wants to be a blessing to little girls in Africa. And, you know, giving gives back. That's part of the attitude. Generosity is actually one of the best things we can do for our mental health.
1: This is uh, is such tremendous stuff. I so appreciate what you're doing. And uh, I'm one of those folks who really like to get all the details before. I jump into something. I know many of my listeners and viewers are that way as well. So if someone's saying, okay, so, yeah, Joyce sounds like she knows what she's talking about, got some interesting experiences. Uh, I may want to check out this curriculum, but what would I be getting in for if I went to this e-learning module or these e-learning modules? How long a program is it? Is there any kind of hidden costs? or How does that all work?
2: Well, honestly, this whole thing is such a blessing from God. And we have had very, very generous people support this ministry. And what we decided is that we don't want to be a hindrance to anyone getting this information. And I know sometimes they say, well, you got to sell it because otherwise, if you don't sell it, then people won't value it. But, you know, a lot of people say that have signed up for this course. They're in South Sudan, They're place where they don't even have a credit card. So we don't have any hidden costs. We're just getting right out there and get it to anybody that wants to learn
1: this is exciting stuff we're going to be back with more from joy kaufman and farm stew practical things that can make a difference for you regardless of where you are i'm dr DeRose. we'll be back with the second half of our show right after these important messages
0: american indian and Alaska native living will continue in a moment if you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast please contact us on the web at aianl.org or call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673.
3: The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. The most negative thinking in my childhood was the things said to me. I felt like I was a bag of garbage waiting to go to the dump. Please, mums and dads, put a watch on your mouth. As you relate to your children. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to. Someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org.
2: Papa, why can't we telegraph while riding a horse? Son, there ain't no one to blame
1: but Jeffro.
2: He was riding old Betsy the Stallion, tip-tapping away at his telegraph when blam! Blam! Ran right into the side of the saloon. Well, if Jeffro can't do it, neither should you. Don't text and drive. Visit stoptextstoprex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dr. Nia Heard-Garris with today's tip for kids
3: from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Every year, hundreds of teens drown. If
2: your teen hasn't learned to swim yet, it's never too late. Even if your teen is a strong swimmer, make sure to supervise kids of any age. No one should swim alone. Teach them to enter the water feet first, wear life jackets on a boat, and never use alcohol or drugs on the water.
3: Drowning is preventable. For more, visit HealthyChildren.org. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear.
0: you're listening to dr david derose on american indian and alaskan native living your comments and questions are welcome call now at 1-800-775-HOPE that's 1-800-775-4673
1: here again is dr derose welcome back to the second half of today's edition of the broadcast i'm dr david derose with me is joy kaufman Joy heads up a group called Farm Stew International, and we've been really learning that this uh, organization can actually not only make a difference to people in Africa, where uh, Joy really got her feet wet, if you will, and making such a difference, but it can also make a difference wherever you're at today. If you're just joining us, uh, Joy has been talking to us about some free internet resources joy tell us again how someone can tap into the resources you have at the farm stew website
2: wonderful we would be happy to what we call share the recipe of farm stew and that is found at our website which is farm f-a-r-m stew ste org, which is o-r-g and you just there's a tab line along the top it says the recipe which is our eight ingredients uh, each letter stands for an ingredient, and uh, you just go to the recipe and click down on the e learning, and there you'll find some of our courses. And you know, Doctor DeRose, before you asked, you know, how much time is this going to take? And there's, I, I didn't answer that question directly. So let me do so quickly. Uh, one course is called the Farms Do Mini Course, and that's just about half an hour, and it describes oh, wow. what we're doing in Africa, why we're doing it, the problem of malnutrition, et cetera, and gives just a quick overview, kind of like we've already done here today. And then there's a basic course, which has just a few of our lessons to kind of give people a, it's like a sampler platter, let's say, as long as we're going with the food analogy. And then we have the farm Stew recipe manual, which is a very extensive course. It would probably take someone about 30 hours to do. Wow. And uh, very, very packed with a lot of information that's highly practical, really anywhere. But it does address some concerns that might not be relevant to our listeners, like how to build a tippy tap when you don't have hand washing, uh, when you don't have running water, but you still want to wash your hands, things like that. So we're a little bit blessed here.
1: (laughs) Well, believe it or not, there are people that listen to the show or are in our listening audience that don't have access to running water. So... Um, I've never heard of a tippy-tap. I'll be honest with you. I did see something on your website that mentioned it, but I didn't click on it. So help me and my listeners understand what this is.
2: Awesome. Well, you know, it's pretty amazing because we need to wash our hands in running water. And thousands of years before scientists learned about germs... The Bible actually instructs people in Leviticus that we should wash our hands with running water. That's because the germs, you know, wash off instead of just, if you put them in a bowl, they just swim around and get back on your hands by the time you pull your hands out. So a tippy tap is a way of basically making running water possible. You just take a container, maybe like a two gallon jug and you uh, take some sticks and basically make like a little stand and with a rope uh, tied to it, you can actually make like a foot lever. So you step with your foot on the stick and the container tips over and it makes the water run out of a little hole. And it makes it so you can wash your hands with running water using very little water, which is important if you have to haul water for uh, some distance. And uh, the other thing is, you know, a lot of the people where we work, they can't actually afford soap. That would be a luxury Mm -hmm. item in their household but they're cooking over wood. So we learned that you can actually use wood ash to scrub your hands. It's kind of like the original soap. And uh, Mm. so it's low cost, very effective ways of making sure your sanitation, that's the letter S in stew, uh, is cleanly and you can reduce sicknesses.
1: Well, this is exciting stuff. And Joy, I know one of the things that my listeners always resonate with are real life stories. Now, You were kind enough in advance of the show to give me some links to some different individuals whose stories were archived uh, as a result of your group, but um, probably won't actually show any of those clips uh, to those viewing. Uh, We may put the links in for those videos. I thought they were well done. But tell us some of the personal stories of people who've been impacted by farm stew.
2: Oh, I'd be so happy to. And there's so many. Also, people can go to YouTube and just type in farm stew and they can pull up the videos. But as we're talking about tippy taps, I'll tell you the story quickly of Ruth and Patrick. And uh, Ruth was a woman that we trained in a village alongside a highway. And when I say we trained, we hire local people. So these are local Ugandans who'd gone out and trained Ruth and her husband, Patrick. Ruth got so excited about all the lessons of farm stew that Actually, one day we were driving by, not even going to her community, but they flagged us down on the highway when I happened to be in the car and she took us on a tour of her house. Ruth had a tippy tap that was so ingenious. One of the things she had added was uh, they did have enough money to have a bar of soap, but it was very precious. So she had tied the soap on a string by poking the hole through it. And then she covered it with a little plastic, um, like pop bottle, uh, the end off of a pop bottle type container. And that was so that when it rained, the soap wouldn't wash away.
0: Oh.
2: She also had a gorgeous garden that was growing three or more kinds of vegetables, which is one of our standards uh, for, you know, we actually certify farms to homes. So they have to meet eight criteria, one in each letter. So she had a gorgeous garden, a beautiful latrine that they had swept perfectly clean and were using regularly. And just every kind of sign of hygiene and order. And she was so excited about it. She actually told me on foot, because of course, this woman had no car. She had already shared the recipe in six other villages nearby.
1: Wow. So basically, she learned about this from one of your trainers. She doesn't have any formal certification as a teacher, but she's just sharing this with other people in other villages. Am I understanding that correctly?
2: Exactly. Just like my grandma with her little three by five cards of her favorite recipes, Ruth was out sharing this with six other communities. And that's what I kind of hope will happen with the listeners in this audience. Not kind of hope, I really hope that will happen with our listeners, you know, that you'll want to learn and you'll just see how this could be a blessing in your community.
1: And a lot of folks are listening, they're saying, wow, maybe they are in a setting where having a access to running water from the water they've hauled or a cistern or whatever. But, um, others are just saying, I mean, this is pretty remote for me. I mean, I'm, I can just walk over to the sink, wash my hands, I've got plenty of, of soap and all that. But you've got a variety of principles in this curriculum in the, the farm stew recipe to use the terminology that you folks use that can help people across the age range, across the geographic spectrum, right here in North America, anywhere else, whether they're indigenous or not. Joy, I know you and I were speaking off air about one of the huge problems, not limited to Indian country, but affecting Indian country uh, just like it is anywhere else, and that is diabetes. What does the uh, farm stew approach to eating have to do with this leading chronic disease?
2: It has a lot to do with it. And I'm so excited to say that the farm stew recommendations in the meals part of the curriculum can not only prevent, but also help to reverse diabetes in many, many people, especially type two diabetes. And how it does that is that we promote the diet that is specifically geared towards being high on the glycemic index scale, or I'm sorry, low. I get my numbers mixed up on that. That's good. You got Um, it. Yeah. And so what we want to do is we promote a whole food plant-based diet. So we avoid processed foods, we avoid sugars, and we promote foods with a lot of fiber. And so fiber is something that's really powerful in that it almost like coats your food so that the glucose and energy in the food can't come out quite as easily. I like to talk about it. It's like When you put something in a sponge and you slowly squeeze that sponge out instead of just pouring it down the drain. And uh, so the sponge kind of can move things into your body slowly, the energy into your body slowly. And then that sponge also moves things out of your body, the toxins that you need to get rid of through your feces. So that's fiber is kind of like the sponge. And when you eat processed food, you're taking a grain generally, and I'll just, let me just talk about wheat for a moment. Uh, a wheat kernel, but you can apply this to any grain kernel. It actually has three parts. Uh, So there's the outer coat, which is the bran. Then there's the endosperm, which is like the energy for that seed to grow. And then there's the germ, which is the actual like embryo, the little baby of the seed of what's going to grow into the plant. Well, when you're eating a processed food, they've taken off the bran and they've taken off the germ, And so what we like to say is that the seed is a three-in-one image of what I believe is one true God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The seed is bran, germ, and embryo. When you take it apart, you could never plant a seed, just the food, the endosperm. You could never just plant that in the ground and have it grow. So why would you plant it in your body and think it's going to help your body grow? You want to keep all three parts together intact. It's one whole, and it can give life. And when you eat the whole food like that, then you get the nutrients that are there and you get the bran and fiber that's there to protect you from getting diabetes. So that's just one simple aspect of it. But we also really promote the whole rainbow of fresh fruits and vegetables.
1: One of the things I enjoyed in watching one of the videos that you had uh, sent my direction to take a look at was just how colorful the foods were that people were eating. I saw clips from people gardening, but I also saw some of the food service clips, uh, if you will, that people who've been working with farms do have been learning from your recipe and what they've been doing. So is that one of the messages you give people, is to vary the colors on their plates?
2: Absolutely. So the color... And we are a Christian organization, so I'm going to share some Bible verses because that's kind of how we use science and the Bible together to teach what we teach. And in the Bible, it says to eat that which is pleasing to the eye. And so, you know, everybody anywhere in the world has seen a rainbow and everybody stops and looks at a rainbow. And there's a reason God made us attracted to color and we're attracted to color and food. But sadly, the, the food industry, you know, food scientists, they know that. And so you have Skittles and m and and, you know, all these different colored sodas and everything. All those are artificial colors. And in fact, those colors are generally toxic. And if you eat them in small amounts, but none of them are good for you whatsoever. But the naturally occurring colors represent different what we, what's called phytonutrients. So phyto just means plant nutrients, of course, is what nourishes your body. So all the different colors represent different phytonutrients. And each one is actually critical to your health and well-being. So when you eat across the color rainbow, you don't have to memorize all the big names of the chemicals. You just eat across the rainbow, do what God said, eat what is pleasing to the eye, and you're good to go.
1: Now you've been up front with us. You know, you're mentioning this Christian base that's in your curriculum. I have a lot of listeners who say, hey, great, you know, I'm a Christian, wonderful. This is perfect for me. But I've got a lot of other listeners who, you know, they hear the word Christian and they think of people who said they were Christians and came to this continent years ago and were anything, I would say, anything but Christian. So uh, what about those who are interested in your curriculum, but they're not so sure about the Bible stuff? Can they get benefit from it or is it going to kind of feel like you're trying to convert them?
2: Uh, I definitely get it. And I'm sorry that they have had that experience with Christians that have borne the name of Christ in a way that was not worthy of his true character. And what I just would like to say is we're not out to convert people. We're out to show them a path towards abundant life. But um, Jesus does say he wants everyone to have abundant life. And that's what our curriculum is all about. So we hope you can taste and see that it's good.
1: (laughs) Tremendous, tremendous. Joy, we're just going to step away for a a moment. I know you can stay by. We're looking forward to that. And I know you've got some other exciting stories that will help us to really, well, leave with the, the greatest enthusiasm about farm stew. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Don't go away. We'll give you that website again to get the resources that Joy is speaking about. Stay tuned.
0: Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this.
3: The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. If child abuse victims don't get counseling or help, they shall so often become abusers themselves. The victim doesn't make the decisions... They just take the orders. I got help, and so can you. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to, someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Flace with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. If you own firearms, it's your responsibility to make sure they're always stored safely. Hiding them in a closet or drawer is not enough. Kids know where they are. Research shows the risk of injury and death is lower if guns are stored unloaded and locked up with the ammunition locked in a separate place. This is important when children are young as well as when they grow into teenagers. For more, talk with your pediatrician or visit HealthyChildren.org. So I wanted to talk with you and your mom today, Lily, because some people at school have noticed changes going on with you. And we're concerned. Like what? Who? Who? Some of your friends, teachers... Sounds like you've lost interest in a lot of things lately. You're hanging with new friends? So? So, individually, maybe those things are no big deal. But taken together, and then the incident the other day... You were with Derek when he was
1: caught selling marijuana.
2: Yeah, he was selling it. Honey, we know. But we care about you and and want to know what's going on.
1: That's right. We
2: just want to understand
3: better and see how we might help. And if weed is a part of it... We just want to make sure you understand the negative consequences for someone your age, the physical and mental health effects, poor decision-making, and the confusing legal aspects these days. So what do you say?
1: Can we talk? For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: Welcome back to our final segment of today's edition of the broadcast. Joy Kaufman, representing Farm Stew International, has been with us from the top of the hour And, Joy, one of the things we've been talking about is just the life-changing power of relatively simple principles. You and I have had a chance to dialogue about some of the people, some of the literally thousands of people that your organization has touched. Tell us about a few of them. Just what could I expect? What could one of my listeners expect as far as maybe health improvement if they embrace the kind of things you're emphasizing?
2: I'm thrilled to share about this because we have seen literally thousands of lives transformed and our trainers get to see it every single day. But I'll share one more story about a woman named Sarah. Sarah was maybe in her seventies, I'm guessing, and she had been so stiff. She could literally hardly walk. And she honestly thought she had cancer because she had so much abdominal pain. And when our firm's student trainers came and taught her just about drinking water eating a lot of dark leafy green vegetables, which really help with the blood circulation and just vegetables in general, you know, carrots, cabbage. She started, uh, her granddaughters started growing in the garden and she started eating them. And when I met Sarah, she was so excited to tell me the story that she literally jumped, like not very high, (laughs) but she jumped and she was telling me that she could now jump and even play soccer with her grandkids, And the smile on Sarah's face and her energy was just infectious in a good way.
1: (laughs) That is exciting. And I think a lot of folks think unless you do something really dramatic, unless you get some kind of new treatment, some kind of surgical procedure, some medication, there's no hope for them. But what you've been showing time and time again is that just focusing on simple lifestyle principles can make a profound difference in people's lives. I think it's just tremendous.
2: Well, and the thing that's exciting to me is a lot of people also think you got to spend a lot of money, you got to go to doctors, you got to buy all these supplements and all these pills and everything. Time and time again, research has shown that the very best way to get your nutrients is through actual food. (laughs) And that should not come as a surprise, you know, but... Honestly, there's not a lot of money in selling you spinach or selling you collards, you know. So you never hear those advertisements. But in fact, they're more powerful than probably anything you can take a pill about.
1: Now, I appreciate that because, you know, I've often told people, even if you get the hottest phytochemical now, you know, isolated in a pill, nobody knows what the hottest phytochemical is going to be in five or 10 years, but they're already in the plants, So uh, if you want to really get the most cutting-edge nutrition, you've got to eat those uh, whole plant foods. So I appreciate that message. You're just not, though, helping people improve their health. You're also helping them build uh, their lives. One of those letters in Farm Stew talks about enterprise, developing industries. Tell us uh, maybe a story that ties in with that as well.
2: Okay. I'd be happy to because... Really, you know, when I went to Johns Hopkins and got my public health degree, there was this one professor, his name was Vincente Navarro, and he was from Latin America, and he was kind of the the radical professor. And I think he got under everybody else's skin because most of the profs were doctors, medical doctors. He was like a sociologist. And he said the most powerful public health intervention is to give somebody a job. He said, once you get somebody a job, everything else falls into line. And we've wow. seen that again and again. And, and on our website, we have donor newsletters. Every quarter we report back to our donors, what, what their funds are doing. And Esther is one example from uh, the last quarter. And she actually started growing a garden, figured out she could grow more food than what her family actually needed to consume. And so she started actually a little stand alongside the road selling vegetables and yeah I mean there's a number of people with just little jobs like that they don't need to make a lot of money but they want to make enough so that they can send their kids to school mm. you know buy the paper maybe even get a solar light so that if they don't have electricity their kids can still study at night and they can maybe read a book or read the bible or whatever and so that those just small changes of thinking entrepreneurially And then getting some just simple business skills. You can also find those in the curriculum.
1: Really? Simple business skills are in your curriculum?
2: Yes, yes. And really, like, how do you even think about starting a business? How do you name a business? How do you, you know, make sure it's trying to cash flow? We don't go into major, major detail on anything, but we give people the thinking and the brains behind the operation.
1: Well, that's great. And I know this is really practical for many people in Indian country. A lot of people, very skilled, indigenous arts and crafts and things like that. And of course, people have been to tribal events. We'll often see many tribal vendors there that have their own businesses. But I think there's probably a lot of people that maybe gotten separated from uh, maybe family or culture. And they're wondering, well, yeah, I have some of these skills, but how can I go about starting a business. Do you think the principles that you share there would be helpful for someone even in an urban area here in the U.S.?
2: Absolutely. And I just want to remark, you're right. The skill is just phenomenal of different tribal arts that I've seen. And I think sometimes people just sell to somebody else and then that middle person makes all the money. That happens a lot in Africa to the farmers. And we try to really make it possible to cut out the middle person and you make your own money off of your own hard work. And so that's something to think about with, you know, the entrepreneurial, don't be scared of it or intimidated by it, but you can do it. You can sell directly to people.
1: This is just such great stuff. Now for those who've not been with us from the beginning of the show, you've mentioned some of the different resources that are on the farm stew website. I think most of us by now, realize it's easy to go to your website. It's simply farmstew.org. But what all can we get there that would be helpful for anyone tuning in today?
2: Okay. Well, if you click on the recipe, you'll learn what the meaning is behind each of the eight letters. I won't go through them again, but I hope you've memorized them by now if you've been listening. And then you can click on the e-learning which is our free online curriculum that we want to share with anyone who can apply it. And then of course, there is a way you can contact us on there. And before you get in, I mentioned earlier about 10 seconds, there'll be a pop-up window. If you put your email in there, you're gonna get a free wellness guide that will help you optimize your immune system using the letters of Farm Stew as a guide.
1: Now, some folks, uh, they've heard us talk about some of the stories. And you mentioned you have a donor newsletter. Is that a proprietary thing just for those who give money? Or can anybody hop on the website and read maybe some of the stories of people that you've helped in the past? How does that work?
2: Yeah. So we try to be very good stewards of our resources. So we mail it out to our donors, and then we put it on the website for absolutely anybody to be able to download.
1: Okay. I guess the last question that I have, and I'm sure there's a lot more that we could talk about, but I know this is probably front and center in many people's minds. They're thinking, okay, you've got a model here for training and helping people. Piloted it in Africa, but I know you have brought it closer to home here. I know you've been doing some work in Cuba. Am I understanding that correctly?
2: Yes. Actually, we're really excited. We actually have a container on its way to Cuba right now with 200 manuals and flash drives and flip charts, which is sort of the visual aid that we use. And, and also menstrual hygiene pads for 2000 girls is on this container that should be arriving in Cuba any day.
1: Wow. So we're hearing all this. We're hearing, yeah, started in Africa, coming to the Americas and someone's saying, well, I'm a tribal health educator. I work in maybe a tribal health clinic. Maybe I'm a leader, tribal council person. And these individuals are tuning in. They're thinking, well, are these materials things that aren't just for individuals, but could I share them in a broader way or are they proprietary? Do you understand what I'm saying?
2: Absolutely. And I'm so glad you asked because we've been asked that question by many people. And so this is how we've responded. We now have a licensing agreement and all it is, is basically saying that we want the integrity of the program and the standards of the program to be uh, respected. But if you can abide by that simple rule, we want to equip you to go ahead and be licensed as what we're calling a farm stew friend. And so you could take it out and teach it in your own context any way that you want to. So that licensing agreement, you can email me at joy at And we would be so happy for you to become a farmstew friend. And then we'd love to hear stories of how it's impacting lives in your context.
1: This is such exciting stuff, Joy. I appreciate so much what you've been doing. And thank you for sharing with our listeners, just your enthusiasm and really the powerful program that you've got.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's honestly, I just love it. It's I've been working in the field of public health now for 30 years. And I've never been part of anything that I have seen have more power to change lives for good. And, you know, during this time, it's been a challenging time for a lot of people. And to just have something that's so hopeful, and so encouraging. It's been my joy to be part of it.
1: Joy, thank you so much for sharing your enthusiasm with my listeners. Many of us, I know, are going to be heading to farmstew.org and take advantage of those great resources. Thanks again so much. Thank you. Well, that's all for today. I'm Dr. David DeRose, and as always, I'm wishing you the very best of health.
3: Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.